You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins, powered by BetUS. Well, that was more like it. That's what we were looking forward to on Sunday. It was a little bit of a, a change of pace. Of course, Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast, Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. Greg, before we get into the utter domination the Patriots had on the Jets Sunday, Let's get into some of this news. And the biggest news for the Patriots, it's obvious, it's Jonathan Jones. He's on the IR. He's not only on the IR. Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that Jones is done for the season. Your immediate reaction to this news? Yeah, look, it's it's a tough blow for the Patriots. I mean, they already traded Stephon Gilmore. Uh, now they go with Jonathan Jones, who... You know, I know some fans have a love-hate relationship with Jonathan Jones. In my opinion, I don't think they appreciate how hard slot uh, slot cornerback is in the NFL. That You know, what makes it different than, say, boundary cornerback in the NFL is that there's no sideline to help you out. I mean, when when you're a boundary corner, you know you have the sideline. It acts as another teammate, basically. And so that's easier. Slot corner is impossible. Every route is a two-way go. You don't know whether they're going inside or outside. How are you going to play them? You got to know where your help is. It's it's an impossible it's really an impossible position, Nick. And I don't think people I think it's one of the most underrated positions talked about in the NFL. And Jonathan Jones was a damn good slot cornerback. Uh is a damn good slot cornerback. And to lose him is a blow. I think it's a big blow. I think you can Nick, I think you can make the argument that you could get by more with, a, with losing a boundary cornerback than you can a slot cornerback. And so in, in many ways, this is this is a bigger blow than, say, if J.C. Jackson went out because uh, you can it's easier to give help uh, with a with a boundary cornerback. So. Right. So, the, you know, that's the first thing that that comes to mind when Jonathan Jones is out. I think Miles Bryant, the replacement is a is a good player. Uh, people who listen to this podcast know I'm a huge Miles Bryant fan. I was shocked that he didn't make the 53. I was shocked that that nobody came and got him another team. Uh, I think that would have been a wise steal for somebody who was really paying attention. But maybe due to COVID last year, maybe he's a little bit under the under the radar. Um, but I think, look, let's be honest. Now with this, it makes the Stephon Gilmore deal look awful. I mean, that they dealt – look, Stephon Gilmore wasn't active last week, his first opportunity for the Panthers. He wasn't active. We'll see what happens this week. 
uh, from my sources down there. They feel confident that he's going to come back and be a good player uh, very soon. And, you know, if that happens, then, uh, you know, it makes the Patriots look pretty rough on this because we went from, you know, before the season, we thought at least, all right, they have Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, one of the strongest position groups on this team, if not the league. And now all of a sudden you're down to J.C. Jackson. And Jalen Mills, who you thought was going to be sort of a floating, probably deep safety most of the time, sort of do a little bit of everything. Now you're relying on him to be a number two cornerback. You're down to Miles Bryant at slot corner. Um, I, you know, I think, I think those are the two things that stand out with Jonathan Jones, Nick. Yeah, the idea that everybody drops down a peg now is, you know, it's it's difficult or moves up a peg, whether you know, depending on how you look at it. The idea that Mills, as you said, who is going to be kind of this jack of all trades, master of none, I believe, is now your two corner, your two corner and J.C. Jackson, who people think is is still good enough to be a one corner. And he really hasn't shown anything that would make mm-hmm. us disagree with that. He might not be on the Gilmore level of, you know, a shutdown kind of guy, but he, he's been good enough to be a number one yep. corner. But he was your number two. That was an embarrassment of riches. Now he's your one. Mm-hmm. Mills is your two. Now Miles Bryant, who wasn't on the original 53, he's got to come in and fill in for Jonathan Jones, who I agree with you, is pretty damn good at what he does. And it's just the idea of the thin secondary. And it's something that you and I talked about before the season. We said this back at draft time. This is not hindsight 2020. This -hmm. is not Monday morning quarterbacking. At the time, we said, it's interesting that they did not draft a young corner. Because when you looked at the position, you looked at the finances of the position and how the next two or three years looked, It just made sense to draft a young corner. They decided not to. That was their decision. And now they're left with not a lot back there, especially if you're looking for somebody to, you know, back somebody up and and provide some depth. I do want to ask you quickly before we move on to, to what other options they might or might not have in the trade deadline, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I I was reading some people over the last couple of days. They seem to say, uh, you know, they, they seem to believe that Joan Williams and listen, they're not saying that Joan Williams is going to be like the, the savior of the secondary. But I have read multiple people saying that Joan Williams played much better on Sunday than he's ever played. And at least he didn't look completely lost. And he did a pretty good job when the Jets targeted him. What do you make of that? Did you think Joan was better? Do you think there's anything there? I mean, again, relatively speaking, nobody expects this guy to be a number one corner, maybe even a number two. But Greg, did you see at least a little something from Williams on Sunday? A little, but and, and I haven't gotten through all the defensive films, so I might feel differently when we talk about this on Thursday, Nick. And I, and I'm sure we'll spend a lot of Thursday talking about the trade deadline, which will be Tuesday, uh, a week from today. Yep. Um, so obviously, cornerback will be um, a focus of that. Uh, look, was he a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, yes. But I'll say this about Juwan. Uh, we've seen this out of him before, Nick. He has played. There have been, you know, spots, fits and starts, you know, where he has played better. But then he's been terrible like the next game. There's been no consistency in his game. And I think, I think, in my opinion, I think that he's more of a matchup guy. And I think that's why they drafted him. He's more of a matchup guy. I think the Jets were a good matchup for him with guys like Mims and and those bigger receivers on the outside I mean guys that aren't gonna you know fly by him um that that's his game now do I think he's the answer um 
No, I don't. I mean, I still think, I still think, you know, he's, I still think he's a fourth cornerback. And I think, in my opinion, I think D'Angelo Ross gets promoted from the practice squad. And then it's sort of a, you know, matchup, depending on the matchup that week with receivers. Like, could I see him? Could I see Juwan Williams matching up with Mike Williams this week with the Chargers? I mean, maybe. I mean, I that would be a tough chore for him, but it is a physical matchup. I think that D'Angelo Ross, he's another one of these short cornerbacks. Both him and Bryant are like five foot nine, five foot ten. They're not very big. They're quick. And and here's the bottom line on the Patriots at the cornerback position now without Jonathan Jones out there and whether they acquire anybody. Whoever they get, whoever is out there, they have to play man coverage. This is what the Patriots do now. Like you can't just, you know, it's like everyone wanted to be like, well, what, what about Richard Sherman? Why didn't? Richard Sherman's not a man corner anymore. I think everybody saw that when they played the Patriots, like in his first game back. He's not a man cover guy. He's a cover three zone guy. The Patriots can't do that. Their whole defense is predicated on playing man-to-man and playing good man-to-man. And they need to find cornerbacks like that. Can Juwan do that? I have my doubts. D'Angelo Ross, I think, is pretty good at man covered, but he's a shorter guy, like I said, and so he's a matchup issue. So for me... I still think the top three cornerbacks stay the same as we saw at the balance of this game with Bryant going in for Jones. The fourth guy will be a matchup uh, issue with Juwan Williams and D'Angelo Ross, and then they'll go from there. All right, so let's look forward now. But as we look forward, we kind of have to look back. You mentioned the Stephon Gilmore situation, and we discussed that ad nauseum when he was dealt to Carolina. But the idea that we really haven't dug deep into is the idea that they might have missed some other options, right? Because when you, when you decided to hold on to Gilmore through the offseason, you took yourself out of the market for other corners, aside from Jalen Mills, who you signed again. I don't think corner two was the idea when they signed him, right. but here we are. And then you had a couple of trades happen. You had a couple of guys sign. So when you look back, you know, the Patriots might have missed out on a couple of options if they decided to pull the trigger on Gilmore earlier than they did, Greg. Yeah, I think I think the guy that you look at and really the only guy who's moved is C.J. Henderson from the Jaguars to the to the Panthers. I mean, C.J. Henderson, we're talking about a top ten pick uh, a couple just a couple years ago um, for the Jaguars. And look, I don't know what the Patriots thought of him. I don't know, you know, what their scouting report was on him. But there's no question that he's talented and. You look at where the Patriots were, and we talked about it in in the offseason and in training camp. Like, why don't you go get some Stephon Gilmore insurance? Because you don't know, like, what he's going to look like after the injury. You don't know what the contract situation is going to be. So why not try to go get insurance? Plus, you have the whole J.C. Jackson contract uh, negotiation, you know, on the horizon, which is, you know, he's a free agent after the season. They're probably going to have to tag him. Like C.J. Henderson, who went for, so the Panthers traded tight end Dan Arnold. The Patriots have Devin Asiasi, who probably has more upside than Dan Arnold does. Uh, and a third-round pick to Jacksonville for C.J. Henderson and a 20, 2022 fifth-rounder. I don't know why the Patriots couldn't have done that deal. And plus, you get Henderson, who's still on a rookie contract. You coach him up. You coach that talent up. And now all of a sudden you have the next guy in line after Gilmore in in terms of a sort of franchise boundary cornerback. You pair him with J.C. Jackson, you're not really missing anything. And so 
I think that, that that could very likely be the last, you know, and then Gilmore went to Carolina also. From the people I've talked to around the league, they don't think there's much out there anymore after those two guys in terms of man coverage cornerbacks. And so that's why, you know, the Bucs had to go and get Richard Sherman. I mean, if there were better options in the league than Richard Sherman, the Bucs would have done that. And, and they didn't. And so I think the Patriots have painted themselves into a tight corner where, you know, God forbid JC Jackson or Jalen Mills goes down, then what are they going to do? I mean, it's a, it's a tough situation. Yes. We've seen the Patriots scheme their way out of issues in the secondary 2011 is at the, at the forefront. I mean, you know, that group collection where Julian Edelman's playing against Anquan Bolden in the <laughs> slot in the AFC championship game, and they almost win a Super Bowl with that group. I mean, I've never seen a coaching job better than that one. And, but that's a decade ago. The quarterbacking in this league, top to bottom, is much better now. It's much tougher to do that. And so the Patriots just can't do what they did in 2011. Plus, they had a historic offense that year. I mean, that was the height of Gronk, Hernandez, you know, all those guys. They were a great offense that year. Welker. Um, and it's this, they, they are very, very thin right now. All right, so not a lot of names out there. You've talked to people. Uh, Fuller is a name that pops up from Denver. Uh, he's kind of declined the last couple of years. Uh, his finances. I don't think he's a man well, guy. Yeah, and, and there's questions about him being a man guy. I see a lot of people bringing his name up. Not a lot of options. L let me ask you this, and I know he's been pretty much on the shelf due to injury, but Sean Wade, I mean, they, they did make a deal for a cornerback. Yeah. We, we should at least mention his name because Belichick – at least went out and got a corner. Any hope of this guy at any point? I mean, again, the physical questions, the fact that he stayed in school for another year at Ohio State, he wasn't very good on the outside. He's seen as more of a slot guy. I mean, could he possibly be the guy who helps, you know, take over for Jonathan Jones eventually? And then maybe you can mix and match Williams, Bryant, and uh, Ross as the other guy in that secondary? I have a hard time seeing that. I mean, yeah. you know, Sean Wade is more of a guy like if you had a buffer and, you know, a game, you would give him a game at the end of the season to see what he's capable of. But, I mean, look, we know that the Patriots don't have much of a margin for error right now, and it's hard for me to see the coaches trusting a Sean Wade who has been out for a while with an injury, concussion he's been dealing with, which which is never good. So he's missed practice time. He's still right. just a rookie. He was a fifth round pick for the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens were so loaded that they could they that they could trade him. Uh, so you know he's still just a rookie. He's barely been here. Um, you know it didn't. There weren't even before his injury. There weren't signs that the Patriots were really going to do anything with him. I think they were just going to make him inactive all year and look to next year. So I I would doubt it. But you know I sure I I, I assume once he's healthy. They will try to give him some reps, but I think at this point in time, I think the Patriots go, especially in the secondary, with guys who they trust that they know aren't just going to blow assignments, which they've had issues with, and uh, and that they can count on to be in the right place. All right, before we get into the Jets game again, utter domination by the Patriots on Sunday. Tell the fine people listening to this podcast, Greg, all about BetUS. Our friends at BetUS have been fantastic. Uh, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. Uh, Greg's all over that website the past few weeks, dropping some shekels down on some games. Uh, tell the good people about BetUS, Greg. 
Yeah, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back and going harder than ever, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, all kinds of crazy stuff that Cattles tweets about and, and bets on. Hey, big uh, UFC this weekend. Big time UFC. Oh, UFC people know all about it. <laughs> there you go. And they will walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now. Check out the offers, and you can get up to 200% bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. By the way, so I got I got my bonus when I signed up, and I've been betting with my, they call it free play bonus, just a little inside tip for the people because it took me a while to figure this out you can do with your free play you can do like straight bets and a few parlays and i think teasers but you got to click the little fp button next to the bet to take advantage of the thing that that and and so i did that this weekend nick and i won money on the Bengals. i told people in my column not to sleep on the Bengals. i wanted to take the money line but i couldn't uh against the ravens and which would have been a nice bet but uh still I won money on the Bengals this weekend, so that's great. So uh, go to BetUS.com, America's favorite sports sportsbook, and enter BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special bonus. BetUS.com, where the game begins. All right, let's talk about Sunday now. Uh, again, I, I've said it a couple times here, domination. Last week when we picked this game, BetUS had it at 7. I said lay the points all day. I felt like we were going to finally see the Patriots click on Sunday and put some things together. Uh, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. So I got that one right. And, and I know some people say, well, it's the Jets. It's the Jets. Listen, I, I think that's so disingenuous. Yes, it's the Jets. And the Jets aren't very good at football, which would seem like a big deal since that's their job is to play football. But the fact that the Patriots just handled them and and put up, you know, what, 54 points on them. I, I do think that, again, relatively speaking, when you dominate an NFL team like that, it, it does mean something. And so I, I don't think we just sweep it under the rug. It's not like they won by a field goal here. They showed they are clearly better than the Jets. And I think they showed at least some progression for sure offensively. The significance of the Jets win for you, Greg. Yeah, I think it was uh, the biggest takeaway was the offense. I think that we're we've continued to see little baby steps with this offense. I mean, scoring nine out of ten possessions um, against anybody is is a job well done. And I thought that the Patriots, the thing that impressed me, Nick, was just the execution level. Um, you know, from the first drive of the game. I mean, that Nelson, uh, the the Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar play. And I broke this down over at BSJ this morning. Um, showed me a lot because that's the type of play where, you know, there's five different parts that need to come together for that play to be successful. And so far this season, the Patriots haven't been able to go really five plays without something blowing up. And so for Michael Wenu to cut the end, who was extended, and so that makes it an even tougher block, that's the whole key to the play. If he doesn't cut that end, the guy probably deflects the pass, maybe picks it off and goes the other way, and we're like, here we go again. But he gets the end on the ground. That lets Mac Jones get the ball over to Kendrick Bourne. Nelson Aguilar at the same time is 
engaging the cornerback like he's going to block, sell the block, toss the guy, then go. Then Bourne, you know, a guy who doesn't throw the ball that often has to not only throw the ball in the money, but have good timing to where, you know, there's a guy coming right in his face, leaping to get the ball out there. I mean, was very impressive. So, you know, that really got things off to a good start. And I thought we continued to see that. Now, you know, I will say, you know, defensively, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't know. There were stretches in that game where I wasn't all that impressed with the Patriots. Um, I didn't see them getting a ton of pressure on, you know, whether it was Wilson or white. I mean, you know, Mike white, who I barely even heard of comes into the game and he's 10 of 13 for like almost 120 yards on his first, you know, first couple possessions. I mean, over 10 yards per attempt or around there nine. I mean, that's a lot. And, and the game was in doubt then. And, and I think if the, if the Jets don't make some stupid turnovers, stupid Jets turnovers, like, you know, Wilson, was it Wilson or White? I think it was White who overthrew the tight end. It was wide open in the middle of the field to Kyle Duggar. Um, you know, they convert for, fourth and short where Barmore comes in. Lawrence Guy got him on third and short. Barmore, you know, beats Van Roten, who's a terrible right guard um, inside. Uh, you know, those th- those things don't happen. All of a sudden, it's a little bit different. And there were some concerning plays on defense. I mean, the Elijah Moore touchdown was not good. He basically went untouched into the end zone. So while there was a – overall, there was a lot of good, there were still some concerning things in this game. And look, Nick, it really – this game really doesn't matter unless we need it in context with what happens against the Chargers. Now, do I have more confidence that the Patriots are going to go to L.A. and play tougher? Uh, against the Chargers and possibly win that game? Yeah, I do. And actually, I put money on BetUS on the Patriots, um, you know, before the spread uh, sort of got a little bit closer because I think it opened at six. I got them at five and a half, and I put money on the Patriots because I do think that I think they're going to win the game outright. But if if the Patriots go out there and play like crap against the Chargers, then the Jets game means nothing. But for one week, especially offensively where I have the biggest questions about this team. I feel a lot better. And I now think they can go to toe to toe a little bit offensively with a team like the chargers. And it's not just play close to the vest three runs. I mean, I think you put together what they've been doing offensively, you know, and we've talked about some of the miscues, you know, Damian Harris fumbling, you know, at the goal line and things like that. You look at the whole composite of the offense in the past couple of games it's definitely trending in the right direction. Now, is the defense trending in the right direction? I have questions about that. All right, so I'm just going to hit a couple of quick things here about what you feel better about after beating the Jets. You just hit some of it. So I'm going to kind of yeah. highlight mine, and you can go off of me because I think some of it is mm-hmm. the same stuff that we just mentioned. I feel like this team has a better grasp of their offensive identity, which you know the run game is running interior over the guards. I think play action with Mac Jones has been wonderful. That'll continue. Uh, we see Mac. We we saw this in the in the preseason. We saw this in camp. But again, you know, things that you highlighted back then that people might have rolled their eyes over. Oh, this is too early. But Mac's control of the line of scrimmage and understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, there was. I thought Jerry Thornton did a great job of breaking down a play <clears throat> this week about the. Uh, it was the Bolden touchdown catch where, you know, Mac understands what's going on. He motions Myers into the backfield. You know, he, he he identifies the mic. He knows what's coming. And it was that quick little screen dump pass to the left side to Bolden for the touchdown. Yeah, beauty. Like, 
that that's something that you know when people talk about Cam Newton, that play ain't happening, folks. Like, <laughs> no, not if, even if, close. Like, if if anybody is still in love with the idea of like, oh, they should have kept Cam, and they, just watch that play two hundred times, burn it into your memory, and understand that that's why Mac Jones is the quarterback, and that's why a lot of us, me and Greg included, think he's going to be a pretty damn good quarterback at the NFL level. So mm-hmm. I feel like they have found their offensive identity. You feel that way, Greg? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I think it's starting to come together what we thought. I mean, and, and you're right. It starts with the running game. And I think that, you know, Damian Harris, um, you know, ran the ball great in this game. Uh, the offensive line, I think, has really solidified with Karras at left guard and a winning at right tackle. Uh, they are a much better unit now, and they're more consistent. And And I think you're right about, you know, Mac in terms of, you know, the touch on that pass and the timing um, was beautiful. We saw a lot of that with him on Sunday. And I, and I think that's, that's been impressive and it's a big thing for them moving forward. The line, the offensive line starting to get yeah. figured out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I think that Karras brings a little bit of uh, toughness and physicality to the group where, you know, I, I don't, while I like a winning as a player, I mean, I, obviously he's a much better tackle than he is a guard, but uh, even at guard, uh, even if pro football focus loved him, he still didn't, I, I don't think, I think he played like a rookie. I mean, that happens when you, when you switch positions, but I don't think he had a lot of confidence where Karras knows exactly what the hell he's doing and, and he plays tough. And I think that that gives confidence to the rest of the line, especially a guy like Isaiah Wynn. I think Isaiah Wynn playing next to a Ted Karras is, you know, somewhat similar to Joe Tooney in terms of experience and we know Wynn did a lot better with Tooney. I think you put Wynn and a Wenu next to each other, and they're both kind of like in between. You know, am I sure I'm doing the right thing here? And they don't play with confidence, and I think that trickles down. You know, last week we saw Ramondre Stevenson have a pretty good game. He popped a couple plays. I, I was one of the people on Sunday morning going, why is he <laughs> active? Like, wh- why is this guy not playing today? I, I did not get it. I'm not a Bolden hater, but I I just I, I think he's got a limited ceiling, but got to admit it. Brandon Bolden as a receiving running back, a guy who's going to be able to catch some passes. He showed me a little something on Sunday, Greg. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought Bolden was a good player, and I know some of our members were like, you know, in my game report were like, what, no mention of Brandon Bolden? I don't know. I mean, I didn't think any of his plays were a high degree of difficulty. I mean, it's not like the Jets didn't have anybody within like 20 yards of the flats on any of these plays. And so, you know, I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, I think that Bolden's a good player. I like to have him. I still think he's he's more of a, you know, fourth running back. Stevenson, you know, to be a healthy scratch, uh, you know, tells me or indicates that the coaches weren't happy with something behind the scenes. Hopefully it's very minor. And this was a, you know, one game sort of, uh, I don't want to say suspension, but just, you know, put him in the barn a little bit for a week. Right. But I wish I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of JJ Taylor in this game. Yeah. I think he's a guy that got to get going, but at least they got some plays out of the running back position. Yeah. I think it's all relatively speaking in your expectation level with Bolden. Like if, if you think you start thinking Bolden's a good player going into that game, then you're not too surprised me again. I, I don't, as a running back, I just really don't see much from him, but, so when he makes, you know, when he makes some plays, he makes an impact. It it stands out to me. The last mm-hmm. one I want to talk about quickly is Christian Barmore. I, I think he's been really good. And I think we, you know, we've touched on him from time to time, but from week one until this past Sunday, 
I think he's been as good as you would hope and, and maybe even better, Greg. What do you see, especially, you know, the run defense? The, this run defense was awful uh, early on in the season. They seem to be getting better as the season goes on. Your your thoughts on the entirety of that run defense and especially Barmore being in the middle and the kind of impact he's had his rookie year? Yeah, I think I think Barmore's been great. He's one of he's been one of the best uh players on this team, you know, in his playing time opportunities so far this year. Uh we know that he can bring some pass rush inside. I think he has played uh pretty well to, uh against the run and I think he's earned more time and I think he should I think he should be out there more. I, th- I thought we saw an uptick in his in his playing time this week. Uh it's well deserved. Um Look, I, I've said it before. I'll say it a million times. The Patriots need more impact players on the field. Barmore's an impact player. And, you know, it'd be nice if they could find some linebackers who could impact at the second level. But, you know, I'll take the front. But, yeah, they were better against the run as a whole this week. Jets aren't great on the interior, center, right guard. Barrett Tucker's pretty good at left guard. Uh, so I don't want to go overboard about it. But, look being better against anybody in the NFL is a good sign for this team. Yeah. And they weren't good. They weren't good against the jets the first time with run defense. So, you know, at at least they proved that they can, they can get better against the jets uh, running Mm -hmm. football. All right. You got a guy that's kind of in both columns here. You feel better about him, but you're also worried about him. His name is Jonu Smith. What what do you make of him? Yeah. I mean, look, (laughs) he went from, they look like they were avoiding him to they actually went to him on the first drive, like multiple times, get the ball in his hands. They you could tell they're trying to get Janu to feel better about himself. Yep. And that probably happened. And that's good. That's good for this team because him with the ball in his hands, uh he's dangerous and he makes this offense a lot better. You know, that being said, watching him, I don't know, there's just something off about him that like when I watch him. Like, and and we've seen him have some of these issues on like, you know, the drop pass for a pick six. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like, I don't know. There's always like 50 steps to do something. Like he's just, he's probably the least precise route runner, offensive player like I've ever seen. Like, I I, I don't know. He just, he, he seems a bit out of control at times that you're not, he's very unpredictable. You're not sure you know, where he's going to be, is his timing going to be right? And it's just, I don't know if he's always been that way or it's just he's feeling his way, thinking his way through this offense. But yes, he was more productive on this game. But still, some of the plays that he made, I'm just like, that just, it doesn't look right to me, Nick. And I worry, I continue to worry about Johnny Smith. He, He is probably the proverbial poster child for a guy who, in this offense, which is a little bit more complicated, He's thinking too much year one that he will be much better year two, but year one is just a little bit tough for him. All right, let's get to a lightning round of three up, three down, because there's a couple here, and your three down that would fit with the three things that you're worried about. Uh, three up, Greg, quickly, what do you got? Yeah, the offensive line. I just I like this combination. I thought they executed well. Um, you know, I thought that win was a little bit better in this game. I think that the right side of the line, Mason and Awenu together, uh, we always talked about Trent Brown and and Mason being a formidable run blocking unit. Awenu and Mason are right there in terms. They, they it's not a step down from Trent Brown in my opinion. They are very physical. It's tough to to put up with. Harris was my second up. I just 
He's playing with confidence. Give him a crease. He's going to hit it. Uh, I think I heard something about that he was his 32-yard run. He was the fastest running back in the league, and that shows up on film. He is freaking fast. When you give him a hole and he gets ahead of steam, he's pretty good. He's really rounding into a playmaker. Hopefully he stays healthy. And my other three up was uh, Barmore, you know, for the reasons that we talked about. You know, he's an impact guy. They need more impact, and they need to keep him on the field. All right. This guy was on my down list last week for sure. He's on your down list this week, Jalen Mills. Yeah. I mean, he had two terrible penalties at least uh, in this game. Uh, I think he had a missed tackle. Um, I, I don't know. He just he, he just was not very good in this game. And, and I don't know if this is just who he is. I mean, you're, you hear from your Eagles people, um, you're the sort of in-house Jalen Mills expert. And I, you know, I think this is the Jalen Mills experience that we're in now. And now he's, you know, your number two cornerback by far. So this should be fun. Yep. Wasn't big on the signing when it happened. Still not big on it. Uh, Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, I, Look, he makes a couple plays here and there, especially against the run. But outside of that, I mean, just a whole lot of nothing. I see him running into the center a lot. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, he gets a lot of playing time. The pay, the coaches trust him. Obviously, he knows the scheme. I just don't see the upside in him. And I'd rather see Josh Uche, who, you know, even when he's not making plays to me, Nick, I see him at least bringing energy and bringing physicality and speed to the game. And I'd much rather swap Uche and, and Van Noy and see what happens for a game. I'm so tired and frustrated of the Uche stuff. Get him on the field, yep. Bill. Give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Love of God. Uh, you have the injury report down as a three down as well. Yeah, it's just tough. I mean, it was, seemed like every other play somebody was going down on this team. I mean, even Devin McCourty went out and, you know, you lost Jonathan Jones. Uh, there were some guys along the defensive line. Um, it's just the Patriots have a rough go this year with a very late bye week. So they need to do what they can to preserve bodies uh, because this is a, we know this is a 17 game ski- season. The Patriots don't have a bye until I think like week 12, week 11, week 12, something like that. And uh, it's, it's not good that they keep losing people because we know this is not an overly deep group especially on defense all right let's get to the boston sports journal.com member question of the day 39.99 on the annual plan uh top-notch analysis of all the boston pro sports and boy what a win by the celtics last night crazy game uh membership at bsj gives you access to a ton of video analysis bedard does in the coaches film direct access to him in weekly chats again it's boston sports journal.com uh the question of the day greg is from boston sports fan why the hate for patricia when one thinks of him, he obviously has a role. Uh, Hanger on label seems like sour grapes, Greg. So this is in reference to the lead to my game column off of off of Sunday, where I, I wrote it was such a good day at the office on Sunday for Bill Belichick that he gathered with a few friends and their significant others. Yeah, you bet try hard. You bet try hard. Hanger on, Matt Patricia was there as well, having a field level box <laughs> after a game to kick back and enjoy a few beers. I said, nothing, it seems, is more satisfying in life for the former HC of the NYJ than a victory over Gang Green. So that was in, that's what Boston Sports Fan was referencing. Uh, I'll just say this. First of all, that was I've never seen anything like that after the game. And I'm not going to, I mean, I, you know, you know, what's strange is that they have 
they have areas for the families after games to gather. And including when I was walking out the other day, there was an outdoor tent next to the player's parking lot, which I assume they're using for this type of stuff. And that's normally where everybody goes. Everybody hangs out. But they decided to go there, the Optum box, like run underneath the press box. Uh, I thought it, that was a, something I've never seen in the NFL before. Um, and I texted a few people with the Patriots to be like, like, I can understand Bill doing that. Maybe he had some people in town. And plus, you know, it's his stadium, basically. You know, I mean, between, you know, for what he's done for this franchise, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, and I was like, you know, what's the deal with Patricia being there? And like, basically, I got a bunch of like eye rolls and like, you know, and we've talked about this, Nick, with him being back and, and uh, you know, there's, I, I'll just say that there's not a lot of, I, I wouldn't say Matt Patricia is the most beloved person uh, on the Patriots. I think there's a lot of people who, uh, who, who don't really care for him that much. They don't like how he's sort of like a mini bill. I mean, if you read any of Seth Workersham's book and I'm not all the way through it, but there are certainly some interesting Matt Patricia uh, uh, passages in there about how he, you know, he puts a, a pencil behind his ear, like Bill, yeah. except he yeah. has a laminated play sheet. You can't write on it with a pencil and including that after the Eagles Super Bowl, that Patriots coaches were pointing the finger at Matt Patricia for the reason why they, they gave up that many yards in that game. And he obviously had something to do with the Malcolm Butler situation in that game. And, uh, so I I think people say, you know, from what, people with the Patriots that I texted about, they were just like, you know, it's not a, they were saying basically it's not a good look for him to be doing stuff like that out in public, that he, he, he loses respect in the building, how much he had, I don't know, uh, by basically showing to be a bill hanger on her. So I thought I would point that out in my column and uh, yeah, I stand by that. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Patricia. I, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. It's rather obvious that Belichick likes him, that they're, you know, friends, uh, whatever you want to say, how how deep that friendship runs. I don't again, I don't know. But, you know, I, I think this is just Patricia saying, I don't care. I'm hanging with my guy and I'm going to have a beer. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of uh, jealousy because of that friendship between Patricia and, and Belichick. But I'm not saying that those other people in the building don't have reason to be a little, you know, eye roll emoji to Patricia. It's just this mm -hmm. idea that they're friends. It's rather obvious. I mean, he's Bill's guy. And so, you know, friends hang out together, whether it's a good look or not. I mean, I, I again, I, I don't know. Uh, this week, we got a big one. Chargers at L.A., which really isn't a home field advantage. Uh, we'll talk about that game. Coming off the heels of this uh, impressive win against the Jets. Uh, yes, it was the Jets, but I, I thought it was impressive the way that they handled that game. Uh, we'll have a lot more on the Chargers game. Justin Herbert, what to expect from the Patriots offensively. Uh, it's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. We'll talk to you in a couple days about Chargers Pats on Sunday.